to our MBA podcast purpose is to help existing business owners grow their companies past the $10 million in revenue per year benchmark. Here is your host, Stephen Halasnik. Welcome, everyone. My name is Stephen Halasnik, and I am co-founder of Financing Solutions. Over the last 25 years, I've built six companies in the $5 million to $25 million range. And I can't tell you how important it is for businesses to have a line of credit so they can make an investment in their business or even for unexpected emergencies. I can't tell you how many times throughout my history I've had to have a line of credit that, you know, I wasn't that many times, but I always had a line of credit there just in case. And it was that experience that my business partner and I had about how difficult it was getting a line of credit set up with a bank that led us to create financing solutions 12 years ago. Um, we just really believe that everyone should have a line of credit just in case. And our line of credit program is easy to get in place, inexpensive when used, and costs nothing to set up, making it a great cash backup plan. If you'd like to learn more about our line of credit program, please visit us at fscreditline.com. That's FS as in Financing Solutions, creditline.com. Or give us a call at 862-207-4118. Uh, If you apply today, we will even give you a $250 credit on file. And just remember, the time to set up a line of credit is when you don't need it, so that when you do need it, it's ready to go, it is proved, and it stays in place for a year. It's renewed yearly. It's a good deal. Today, I am very excited to be speaking with Kurt Uhler. Uh, Kurt uh, uh, is a globally recognized marketer, operator, and speaker. He's built and run businesses from startups to over $500 million in annual revenue. He's assembled teams across six continents, been part of a small team leading an IPO that was $880 million, and participated in dozens of acquisitions. He was at the front lines creating several of the marketing channels we all use today, including social media management, influence marketing, and location-based marketing. In recent years, he has focused on helping individual business owners and marketing agencies with a heavy focus on real estate. Kurt and his team have analyzed more than 150,000 real estate websites over each of the past three years and the agent businesses behind them to identify what works in modern marketing and guides businesses in 10x success. Kurt, welcome to today's Entrepreneur MBA podcast. Hey, thanks for having me, Stephen. So, you know, I, I this is not, I don't mean the uh, not an ego thing on, uh, on my part. I, I rarely get a guest who is has done exceptionally more than I have. Uh, they've done similar, but never, I have, still have not brought a public, a company, pub, I haven't brought a company public. It's not going to happen. And, um, I, I haven't, uh, I actually have, I, this isn't a positive. This, I mean, this isn't a negative. This is a positive. I haven't ever had to have any angel funding or venture capital money. It's always been self-funded in my that's business. A, that's a big success right there. Yeah. Well, you know, I wanted it that way. I, you know, it's, I always believe that the business itself will lead its way toward what type of financing you need. Right. And I, I liked just having these nice businesses that throw up cash that doesn't that where I didn't have to answer to a board, you know, and, 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 and venture capital too, you know? Uh, So, you know, uh, so you're, you're, 
your background is super interesting to me. Out of all of this that you've done, before we get to today's topic, out of all of this that of what you've done, uh, what has been the funnest? Oh, the funnest. Um, the funnest was actually not necessarily a business that I, not a business that I'd started, but I had helped with a uh, group called the Made in America Movement. It was kind of a chamber of commerce for uh, 30,000 American-based businesses. And um, that was probably the most fun. Um, companies that, that had made that decision to do everything really here domestically, as there's other country of origin programs in other countries, but everyone that had done things here, um, because I was just able to talk to so many different family-owned businesses, solo entrepreneurs, big companies uh, across the U.S. And that actually even led to me um, uh, being invited to um, by a past president of ours to actually uh, host an event at the White House and pull together wow. a roundtable for him. And so that was probably the most fun um, a lot of hiccups along the way, but being able to do something that were, didn't line my own pockets, but it just helped so many people. Yeah. I, you know, it's, it's funny. The, the company that I think I was most proud of was uh, it made the least amount of money because I, I actually, it was the, it, it was the first company. It was the only company I ever started, which really solved the problem that nobody else was being, that no one else was solving. Okay. And to me that, you know, that was always the holy grail of a business, you know, coming up with something that someone hadn't thought of. Because <clears throat> the fact of the matter is, most businesses there's competition in the space, and and that's not a bad thing. Um, so um, cool. Well, I'm glad you told us about that. So today's topic: how small businesses can thrive in the new influence economy. Um, and you know, let's start off by saying, you know. Uh, I think we all understand small businesses. We all, and by the way, small businesses is like less than like I, my definition would be less than twenty five million dollars in revenue, right? Which is what my oh, businesses yeah. ha, have been around. Um, some people th think small businesses are like you know five hundred thousand dollar businesses. That's not the case, is it? Oh no, I mean they can be quite large. I mean it also very much depends on whether or not you're a retail company, um, yes. stores or e-commerce versus are you a service-based company, you know, or offering a you know technology product on a monthly basis. I mean, um, from a size-wise and difficulty, I mean having a half a million dollar um, you know technology company or service-based business, a lawn care business. Um, may may be harder to do than having a twenty five million dollar um, you know e commerce shop. Yeah, um, and margins mean a lot. I mean, your gross margins mean a lot too. You know, you absolutely. could have a, you could have a broker who says, well, I, you know, insurance broker who says, oh, well, I have a hundred million dollar company. It's like, no, you don't. You have a you, know, you have margins are so critical. I mean, I, I'm so I so much coach people just on the concept of like, no matter what business you're getting into. Profit first. I mean, whether or not yes. somebody raises funds, don't raise funds, they use a line of credit. Um, I see way too many businesses that end up failing because when I look back over time, when they could have been, they could have been banking money for the the owner or putting it aside in a bank account. Instead, they were just following what they thought should they should do is, hey, I earned an extra hundred grand this quarter. I should find a way to use that and just invest it back in the business as opposed to some of that needs to go to the side for you as the owner or for the business for a rainy day fund, as opposed to just increase a hundred grand in marketing. Yeah, and I also, what I one of the things I, I learned uh, along the way was the this, this idea that one of the leading indicators of a gross profit margin uh, can be, uh, if if you're really really on to something that is um, really needed in the marketplace, yeah, right. 
I mean, it, you know, you, you could have very, very high gross profit margins in like, like for example, like the consulting business, right? right. It would be very high gross profit margins, but you know, that's not a really a scalable business, you know, not, not so to speak. It's hard, you know, it's hard to build a business with people. Yeah. Right. But if you find a product business where there is very high margins and you can really sell a lot of it, uh, well, you've just created something that no one else is doing very well at, or, and that's when, I mean, that's probably when the VCs want, well, yeah, well, I mean, the VCs will all would love to see a high gross profit margin and a large top line too, right? Yeah. I mean, there, there, and it depends on whether or not it is a product company versus technology or right. service-based company. They're, they're looking for so many different things, but in the end, you know, any, anybody that might invest is looking for, you know, how, how are they going to get their money back at a multiple in the future? But that, that's what an individual investor um, should be looking at as well. Am I, I, or sorry, individual owner. I mean, you're starting a business today and say, Hey, you know, we're going to talk about influencer marketing. Like, is that the best way? Or is it, you know, knocking on doors, which is still kind of influence marketing, depending on how you look at it. You should like whoever put in the money, whether it's the owner or an outside investor should always be looking at how am I going to get my money out in the future? I mean, I gave counsel to, to, to a uh, business owner earlier today who big enough, it's family business. He's looking at how does he hand it off to, uh, to his, his uh, daughter in the future. And his daughter currently runs a seven figure line of their business. So it's big enough that like, that's only part of their business. And so he was kind of questioning almost like, well, what do I do in this family dynamic with some other, you know, people in the relationship? And I'm like, you should, how you address anything toxic that wasn't with the daughter is you need to have your business prepared to sell. And that may mean you hand the keys to your daughter at some point. It may mean you sell to somebody else, or it at least changes the conversation then with other people in the mix about, Hey, this has to be something that stands on its own outside of me or my daughter. And I'm like, it'll change how you run, how you run even meetings with people. And he kind of, it took him a few minutes to ingest. And he was like, yeah, I've, I've just been building this, assuming I'm just going to hand it off. And because mm. of that, I'm kind of lax in how I look at things. Oh, I hate transfer of businesses to the second generation. I just think, oh, I, it's, that's a different topic. Yeah, I, yeah. I, you know, but, uh, you know, we, we picked apart on, the, on our topic lines what small businesses are. We think we know what Thrive means. But so what I was trying to get to the uh, where really in the where we have the new influence economy. So tell us uh, what what you mean by that. Yeah, I mean, marketing really today, I mean, there, there's always a advertising and there's there's some amount of money you can put towards, you know, any sort of business growth where if you just put the message out there enough, I mean, I don't care whether it's a jingle or eight seconds that just says, hey, here's what my jewelry business does, um, that you can grow a business. But but what drives consumers, whether they're, cons uh, you know, true consumers or there are other businesses you sell to to make decisions is is influence. It's trust in you. We psychologically, all of the testing shows people, no matter whether it's a hundred dollar item or it's a hundred thousand dollar service, people tend to make uh, emotional choices and then they look for the logical things to back that up. Hey, I want to buy a tent for $500 and like, that's the one that I want from REI. All right. Does then does it meet all the reason, things that I'm actually looking for? Very seldom does it go the other way. And so because of that, well, it's not as much about telling somebody, here's what my product does, but it's about influencing them, knowing that they're looking at other sources than just your ad about, um, you know, for their decision. Yeah, I, I get it. Uh, do you think that that, that uh, 
I, I don't. Th- I feel like I've heard the term "new influence economy," or is that something that you kind of came up with? I've heard it before from a few different places. I mean, I, I'm not sure anyone necessarily. I couldn't say this is the the, the woman or man that came up with it. Um, I mean, to some degree, I mean, businesses have done influencer marketing for you know, I mean, thousands of years. But I mean, say even just since we've had modern marketing, we had ambassador programs back in the day. Well, that was influencers. Um, you know, you work with a celebrity. Well, that's an influencer program as a way. But when you're telling consumer stories or there somebody's saying, hey, I, I bought this pair of sunglasses and Stephen, I love these. You should think about getting them. That's influencer marketing. That's always happened. That just that term influencer marketing kind of got pulled out maybe 15 to 18 years ago. And then really, I think maybe seven years ago, some of us started saying it's enough in the buying decision. Like it's the dominant piece that buyers are making their decisions on. We're not trading, you know, the, the primary thing you're trading as a business owner is influence. Why should you use my service company versus somebody else buy my product versus somebody else? Because it is very rare to have something that does not have competition. You know, so follow me along with me on this. So when I started my first company, I was 30 years old. All right. I'm 57 now. And I started my first company and, and, and um, it was actually the second company that I had where I was really spending a lot of money to get a really gorgeous printed brochure. Mm -hmm. Right. And then about halfway through that company, about seven years into that company's lifespan, Brochures became irrelevant because then we were using PDFs. Right. Right. Then we go to website. Right. And so, so um, I, I missed the point. And the point is when I, when I was doing printed brochures, we were the, the main marketing method back then was setting out mailers. Right. Right. And it was also um, uh, trade magazines. Okay. Right. So then after that, then came kind of like the email explosion, right? Where you would do an email marketing, your website, you know, was, was a big deal. And then came um, Google AdWords, right? And Google SEO, right? And then came um, affiliated marketing, which is, you know, more current now. Right. And, and also came influence the influence marketing, which is, you know, people recommending you to other people and doing that through also reviews. Right. So my, yep. this, this is my lead in. Do you, I, I don't know if you know where I'm going with this. That is, I feel like the influence economy we're in the, the, the current that's like current right now. And it's not a bleeding edge anymore. It's not a bleeding edge anymore. And, and I would, uh, I would draw the distinction for your listeners from influencer marketing versus influence economy. Influencer marketing is one of the ways that you build influence. Oh. But even brochures, um, reviews, all of those other things, tie, you know, Google ads, that all ties into the influence that you're peddling, that you're marketing, that's in, that's impacting the business decision. Truly, influencer marketing is, hey, I'm working with somebody else that doesn't work for my company usually um, to get them to share their stories, their thoughts, their feelings about my company. And that sometimes just happens naturally anyways. Whereas you mentioned like, hey, what if you're, if you're a local painter, whether or not you um, want Google reviews or house reviews, those are happening. You know, um, whether, whether you're a good or bad painter, um, sometimes if you're just an average, maybe not. Well, that's, you might encourage us and that's influencer marketing, but from an influence economy perspective, 
to me, that's everything that comes into the perception the, uh, of your potential buyer. So that Google ad that you put out, if you promise 700% uh, you know, increase in lead generation from your marketing tool, well, if that's not what they experience, well, you have sold them something that as they start to learn more, that you read a review that says, yeah, that's not what's happening. It's not 700%, it's 7%. Mm. Well, you, you could have otherwise had maybe a decent sale, but instead you just sold a, sold a story that doesn't act, isn't actually backed up. That's all lies into the influence economy for me. And it changes how marketers think. Like I take the approach that says, if you have a company and you actually have a marketing team, they should be tasked with having some sort of say in anything, any interaction with the customer, customer success, even product. I don't care if it's a technology product. Steve Jobs did this at Apple. There was two people that could shut down an Apple product when Steve Jobs was at Apple from being uh, launched. Steve Jobs himself and anybody on the marketing team. Because if the swipe, if something didn't feel right to the, it didn't, wasn't a good experience to the marketing team, they want consumers won't like it. We need to pull it back till we talk about it. And it changed then the interactions with engineers and people that were programming, which is why an Apple is completely different than, you know, let's go back to the old, for those of us that are a little bit older, you know, Nokia's or, you know, Nokia's or uh, Blackberry. Yeah, I get it. I get it. I think, um, don't you think the influence, the new influence economy has a lot about this, the, the new generation of buyers that are coming in? They just, they want to know what they're buying. They want to know that if you're truthful, they want to know if you're socially conscious. Do you think that is having this huge influence on what you're talking about? I think it's a big, I think it's a big impact. I think the, the, it's both that they're wanting to know what kind of the companies behind it, but also the, 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 you know, younger generation, they, they've grown up with modern marketing. And so, you know, marketing is a wonderful thing. It tells stories for good brands. It also tells stories for bad brands. Um, I've done trading with, you know, some of the best negotiators in the world. And one, one of the things when you talk to some of these, like a Chris Voss is he'll tell you the same things I'm teaching you can be used for good, or they can be used for bad. They can be used to convince people of things that they, they shouldn't be convinced of, that they wouldn't want to make that decision otherwise on. And when Google ads kind of started, because it was so prolific, you could get out there with a message, just put money behind it and kind of, you know, force sell your way into a bunch of people. And, you know, the younger generation has grown up with that. We have so many, we're hit with so many different messages now. One, they may be looking for social, uh, social or community kind of aspect, but they're also being like, I need to know what's real because they have a, they're unique skeptics. And that kind of, you know, in 1995 to 2005, you know, most of the people that are your age, my age, we kind of just believed ads a lot more and some of the marketing. And now people are going, they almost take it from approach that says, I don't believe you. I need to be convinced. And I love it that because there's a lot easier way to show authenticity from a solo entrepreneur, or from a SMB perspective in that market. Like, Hey, I can't compete with the, if I'm a local painter, I can't compete with a giant franchise across the country that has 3000 franchises but on an ad budget or a pure marketing budget. But with an influencer perspective, I absolutely can. Do you think that, um, and this, this is a crazy question, but do you think that people um, shop less? Are they, are they more impulsive where they see something they want and they just kind of get it? Yes and no. It depends on it. I think it depends on the personality. I mean, um, yes, because 
to some degree, there's a reason Dave Ramsey exists. Um, is, does he give the, you know, for those of us like me that uh, don't have to worry about debt, um, pays off things when they come through, have had lines of credit and use them responsibly, um, you're not going to be able to convince me to make an impulse buy too much because I know what's kind of going on. But the reason, and I can make more by leveraging debt and lines of credit. But but there are also other people, like I have good friends, like, like no matter how much their income was, I think that they would always be in debt because they don't, They it's a psychological issue. They make yeah. impulsive decisions. And so there's a reason he has an audience. And I think that applies for if you're selling to businesses or consumers. And to some degree, it's also really good for you know brands and how you get more influence when you kind of take the approach that acknowledges that to people and go, hey, like I'm selling a $500 camping tent. It's awesome. Maybe you don't need to buy it right now or you need to plan it into your budget. Like I would love to you know, be in a market like that because it allows me to impact people in different ways. And the people that do buy will tell everybody. Yeah, so I, I, when I was going through those examples, and I get, you're right, it was marketing oriented. Uh, when I was talking about the printed brochure, so yeah. on and so forth, right? My 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 question was leading up to you is, where do you think this is all going? What's the next marketing horizon? I think that I mean we're seeing it right. I mean I think we're seeing it right now is we're seeing uh, lower quality videos that tends to be one of the best places for things. Yep. Um, they could be from other from customers. If you're a solo entrepreneur, they could be from you, or they could be from people on your teams. The, the, one of the best examples, you know, that I see is, um, you know, actually with a home inspector out of Texas named Matt Dallas Bradding or Brading. And he literally like how I found him, like he, he only has like 40,000 followers on Instagram. I'm in, based in Atlanta. I've referred to him. I refer, have referred him at least 10 clients in his local market in the mm-hmm. last month because I've seen his reels on Instagram and Facebook. And he literally, all he does is he take, I mean, he's a home inspector. So he's inspecting homes all day. He just takes out his camera. He doesn't, he's tried, you can tell when you look, he's tried some other polished videos, but why I found him and a, a lot of others have is he takes out his phone and he does just a little video that says, here's what I found. And like, he'll show you part of a breaker box or a toilet that's shaking or leaking. And he'll be like, it's not supposed to do that. I, I feel like I have become a better homeowner and will I'm more likely to actually do buy investment properties now because I've watched his reels about just his journey, literally what he does every day. And he's made it a little fun. And would everybody like that? No, but he's connected with people in a way that like any, any business could do that. I mean, I don't know if he's an individual business or if he has 20 inspectors on his team, but like you could do that and still just filter it back through, you know, the boss to make sure that, you know, they like the messages being out there. And like he, that would allow him and any company to be able to compete because it's simple videos that's in the day to day. They could compete with any size brand. And I think so. We're already seeing it. We're just not seeing, you know, it's, it's a little bit harder to track because, you know, all of the, the, the Matt Dallas writings out there that are doing that, they, maybe they only have 40,000 viewers and they get, you know, 20 to 50,000, sometimes 200,000 views on a video. Put that up against Kobe Bryant the numbers don't match up until you add them together or you look at how it's impacting the business. Yeah. So um, I was listening. Uh, my favorite, I, you know, I'm a, I've always been a business geek. I just always have been. I mean, when I was in college, I used to love reading the wall street journal. Right. And so like my favorite uh, show and podcast uh, 
you know, it's, it's a show, but they, you know, of course put it on podcasts and, and, uh, and you can listen to it anywhere is marketplace. It's, it's, uh, if, for those of you who don't know it, it's, um, it's like kind of like an NPR product, uh, national public radio, but it's out of, it's out of California. Um, and it's, it's so current and great. And the guy who runs it, his name's Kai Rizdoff. But anyway, I heard this the other day and I was really surprised because I had, I had always given this off. So Kurt, I'm going to give you a test. Okay. Okay. Name for me the three top most search, uh, most used search engines in the world. Uh, Google, YouTube, and um, what's the Yandex? I forget the Chinese one. Okay, and that boy, that right on. That's I mean, that's what I well, that's what I was thinking. That's what I thought too. Yeah, and I had heard it before, right? On Marketplace, they said TikTok is number one right now. That makes sense. And then Google, and then YouTube. Okay, and a lot of people don't think of YouTube as a search engine. And so, of course, they would not have thought of TikTok as a search engine either, right? My answer was the same as yours. I, I, I said the exact same thing. I had said Google, YouTube, and then some probably some Chinese company, right? Uh, because there's a lot of people over there, yep. right? But the fact that TikTok is now number one just blew me away. I barely use TikTok. I mean, I, I think I've been on there once or twice when a friend sending me something or something like that. I really don't go on it that often. But I think it, it validates what you're saying about short videos being such a big trend right now. Yeah, I mean, people, I mean, I, I just look at my own family. It's like, you know, we, we, we don't have a Netflix subscription. We had a Disney Plus for a little while because I'm a huge Star Wars fan. But um, other than that, it's like we don't watch much normal streaming. And so when we're not doing family things, yeah, my wife or I were watching reels on something or she's on TikTok. Wow. And uh, you know, then she'll download that and share it to Instagram then. Wow. So I, I definitely wow. hear what you're saying. That all feeds into how, you know, how how do you influence prospective buyers when you think about where they're at already and then how do you kind of go connect with them? I mean, my biggest so- problem with short videos is because the way the APIs are, like and I think intentionally Instagram and TikTok, and then they're, they're all making it kind of difficult for, for, uh, for individuals to do this. I, d- I personally just don't want to take the time to do my recording and then go to four different places to upload it. So you tend to see people picking, I'm going to do TikTok or I'm going to do Instagram or, you know, sometimes Instagram can feed into Facebook very easily, but it's like, you have to kind of pick and it's like, that's good and bad, mm-hmm. but um, it, it, you know, it's all still the same. It's short, authentic videos to meet people where they are. And like on TikTok, you know, a lot of people, I think it, they think it's just, you know, uh, people dancing to music because that's what it started as, is musically. It's so much more than that now. Yeah, I, I actually wrote down on a notepad, you know, fun videos for biz, which is, I kind of experimented with, with that for myself. Like I kind of took the Entrepreneur MBA podcast and I said, you know, let me take this and make it into like, uh, you know, four to five minute clips and, uh, you know, lessons that I've learned over the years. And it was just a lot of work, you yeah. know, it was a lot of work to kind of do it, to make it look good. Um, I certainly, I guess I could, I, you know, I had someone, I hired somebody to write a great intro, you know, with a nice uh, video intro and stuff like that, which was, it, it was really good, but just getting it done quickly and efficiently, just, it was, I don't think it was really worth the bang for the buck. That's why I kind of stopped doing it. 
Yeah, well, I, I mean, I, I think one of the guidances that I would give, and you know, I can't speak to exactly that video because I didn't see it, but it's like I would encourage your listeners to to not worry about overproducing things right now. Think, uh, the, especially these more uh, quick videos, and quick may mean even up to ninety seconds or or so. Um, they do not have to be polished. They just have to have content. I mean, in addition to this home inspector that I watch, um, two other people that pop up a lot in my reels that I interact with. Um, one's kind of a, I wouldn't say a, a, a money expert, but maybe a little bit more how to save money. Um, and then this other one is a, a woman who seems to be a finance or not seems to be, is a financial planner um, and, and coaches people through that. Both of them do videos where it's them talking to them, but as if they're playing both characters. And so like she tends to put on glasses in one and, and then will be on the right side of the screen when she's the uh, person uh, one side. And then she takes off the glass and she's on the left side of the screen the other. These people are probably, both of them are probably scripting out a video in four to five minutes. They'll take out their phone. They'll just shoot one side of it in another couple of minutes. And then maybe they take 10 minutes to splice them together. They're getting tens of thousands of dollars of views. And because they're kind of doing it almost on a, um, a sketch comedy uh, way about just like, it doesn't have to be polished. Like she's get, she's walking through, like, should I pay off my student loans or not? And that's her talking to herself, but a different person walking through that in kind of a little bit of a fun way. And it's, it's 60 seconds. It's highly shareable. It is not polished. It's very good information. And the shares on the, on her videos are incredible. I mean, you could do that, insert any business. Um, and you could offer something like that. I have a friend that's a general contractor, man, I, I've given him some ideas. It's just, he's in the, he's in a good place to be. He's growing so fast. He doesn't necessarily need to focus on too much marketing, but I'm like, you could just script out some of these things and just do one a week and it would probably five X your business. And he's like, I can't hire project project managers fast enough right now to do my current business. But anybody, yeah. any of your listeners could, could script out these little videos where it's somebody on their team or the business owner. Hey, what would, who's, what's a problem your prospective client has? Great. What's a quick little script. If you could just talk to them about a subject and then film both sides of it and then give it to a VA on Upwork you know, I'm paying 50 bucks to splice it together and get your video back. Yeah. You know, and this is the, I, I actually do two podcasts. I do the entrepreneur MBA podcast and I do the nonprofit MBA podcast because uh, nonprofits are, uh, are clients of ours as well. And um, I'm in my fourth year. So I've had 75 podcasts of each one. And I, you know, I originally started it one because I thought it would be fun. Okay. Right. I loved, like I said, I love talking about business. And so that was one thing. The second thing I thought, you know what, let me just do it and I'll learn as I go along. Right. You know, and you know, it's really, uh, I'm shocked when I see the numbers now, you know, like the thousands of listeners that are, that are listening to the podcast. And my, my, I was showing it to my business partner the other day and he's like, Oh my God. He goes, those are real numbers. Right. You know? Um, and so, you know, so my point of telling all our listeners that and, and Kurt too, I know he will agree is that if you start it and say, you know, it doesn't have to be perfect. I'll learn it as I go along. And the issue you have now, not the issue, the thing that's fantastic is that it's, it's become so cheap to do them. Right. You know, you can just learn as you go. It's cheaper to do it. Uh, it's become easier. 
And there's also uh, quite a number of companies nationally, internationally that can do it, like really kind of make it much simpler. Now, it it can get a little bit more complicated when you really want it to be good. <laughs> well, but and also, but as, as it starts to get to a place where, you know, it's driving, you know, tens and thousands and hundreds of thousands of viewers or listeners on things. Well, then it's, it's helping your business enough. You, you can afford to hand something off. I mean, yes, you mentioned, you know, you're at 75, 76, um, you know, podcast episodes, you know, the numbers for people that start podcasts that never make it past five. Yep. Huge. They never make it past 10, Only 3%, like 99.9% yes. start one. And yep. so just saying, Hey, I'm going to do 25 episodes. That's that alone will change, which you know will change the business. Not I'm going to do three. I'm going to do twenty five, and then like and you put a time frame on there and just get them out there. It's the same thing with saying, hey, look, you know, I mentioned this Texas uh, home inspector. Hey, I don't know, I don't even know how often he does a reel. Okay, if if you're the same business, just say, look, am I going to do one a day? God, I'd love to, but for a habit, I'm going to do two a month, and I'm going to. That's all I'm going to do to get started, and you establish the habit. And you build it into, and then you say, I'm going to do it two a day, or sorry, two a month for the year. And then you can always, you can always increase it, but that's something that you can hit. And so when you start to add something in like that, well, you're already going to outpace anybody that's not in there for consistency. I mean, I, I'm successful partially just because I stay with things longer. Yeah. I think, I think the, the, the given is that you got to like, if you're going to, be the face of it. You got to like what you're doing. If it, if you're forcing yourself, if it's a, if you're like, ugh, I don't really want to do it, you know, then don't do it. Because like you said, the influence economy, people are going to smell that in a second. You know? Right. And you're not well, going to enjoy doing it. Part of, you know, building influence is knowing yourself. And then and some of that takes asking people around. It's like some people are very, you know, upfront and outgoing. And it's like, that's okay. Then yeah. make let that be your personality when you put it on. Other people are very reserved. And so like, hey, if, if you're the person who talks really smooth and kind of has that, you know, radio DJ voice all the time, then that should be how you approach your topics and, you know, and even frequency. As opposed to me, I'm, I, I barely had coffee today. I'm usually, most people say I've had way too much coffee. I'm hyper energized. <laughs> I don't yeah. sleep. And so it would be really weird for me to try to do something where I slowly talk through a topic and explain how to, that's just not me. And so um, I'm going to cater to that. And I always kind of, when I come in and I start to, you know, coach businesses about like, Hey, why, what's not working when you're trying to step into this influence economy and change your marketing and, and put some personal brand behind it. Almost all, always the people that are having problems, it comes down to two issues. Either one, they have not, built it into their work styles or, you know, their habits so that it's something they do consistently. And what's much more frequently, they're trying to be somebody that they're not. And that just does not work. That's often why family businesses don't work. You'll have like a jeweler that's really good at doing radio commercials and just, that's what they want to do. And when they hand it off to a kid, it's just not their personality. And so they try being their dad or mom. And it's clear on every recording that that's just not the person, like they're, they're trying to be somebody they're not. But yet, if you walked in the store, you would love that, you know, the, the, the woman that now owns her dad's, you know, her previous jewelry company. Yeah. So, I, I, you know, you and I have uh, uh, talked for the past 35 minutes and really uh, just talked a lot about the industry, you know, industry in general. Let's let's bring it home right now and really give some uh, really, you know, some good advice that you think uh, 
you know, that's based on the topic of, you know, how small businesses can really make a big impact from a marketing standpoint. So, you know, what are some of your advice? Well, my first thing is if they don't have a website and so many small businesses don't, even those that are $10 million a year in sales, if they're local businesses, they often don't, they should have, they, they need to have a, a website. And that's critical for me because, you know, you may be really big on TikTok or Facebook or Instagram. And what happens when they change their algorithm? If you need a hub online that you can send people back to, that you can kind of train customers and prospects about where they can go to that then could branch off to other places if need be. Um, and, and so, so that's kind of the first thing. And if, if, if you can't build that yourself, if you don't have the budget to kind of go to a marketing agency, I guarantee one of your coworkers, one of your friends has a 14 year old daughter that could build you a, just an incredible WordPress site for on the cheap and get it done in a couple of days to a month, like figure it out. Um, and the second thing is start, Start with what you use already today. Yeah, you, you mentioned TikTok. It's huge right now. It has more viewers than YouTube, more traffic than Google, I think I heard. Um, but if, if you're not on TikTok already, that's going to be a big change for you. Like my wife is on TikTok. I'm not. I log into Instagram and Facebook. And so it would actually have, I would have to change my daily interaction to pull up TikTok to go and do something. But yet I'm already in Instagram. So if I decided, hey, I'm going to do a short little leadership video, um, you know, a couple times a week, I should do it in where, in the network where I already am. I already have an audience and I'm already, you know, used to bringing that up. So start with where you are. Yeah. What else? Um, don't chase the shiny new object. I mean, we kind of talked about it with the, you know, stay with things consistently. Yeah, TikTok's really big. But if you had started building an audience, you know, two years ago on Instagram and you have it going, do not go jump to something new just because it's being talked about and it's growing big. Like you can add it to what you're doing, but don't don't switch. There is a huge bit of these algorithms online, even Google ads of momentum. How many people clicked on and did they transact with your Google ad last week or last month? Same thing with Facebook about whether or not it's going to show something. So don't just, you know, consistency is the name of the game for all of these digital channels. And to some degree, even the same thing if you're if, if you're in person. I mean, I'm part of a CEO netwe uh, networking, netweaving group here in Atlanta. I have I had a, you know, baby come a little bit earlier um, at the end of last year. And we've had some uh, family uh, sickness and uh, family death come up. So I haven't seen those people in four months my relationships with those people and who, how we handed leads and helped each other is going to be very different now than it would have been where I saw those people twice a month for the previous year um, when I was actively going. Consistency is the name of the game for everything here. Yeah. And I'll put my own spin on it as well. You know, I, I mentioned to everybody that, you know, I just started the podcast four years ago because I thought, uh, you know, it's something I wanted to do. I thought it'd be fun. And I said, you know, let's, let me start it and go from there. Like, it's funny because you sit there and you're like, okay, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, uh, uh, TikTok, YouTube, you know, it's like, I, I, even I wrote down on, like I said, on my, on my pot, on my uh, post-it note here, fun videos for biz, right? That right. To do, right? It's like, you know what? My business right now is doing really, really well based on the existing marketing channel that I'm using. Like, do it? Do, do I really need to in, to introduce 
all these other things. You know, listen, I'm a you know $25 million company. I, I'm really happy being a $25 million company. You know, mm-hmm. well, do I want to be a $30 million company, $40 million company? Yeah, but can I get there with my existing marketing channel? Yeah. Well, and I would say maybe you do, maybe you don't. I mean, I'm I'm really big on. I mean, at the company that you mentioned in my intro, that we, that we uh, I was part of the small team that was actually the team that took it public. I mean, we had thousands of employees, but we went from eighty five million a year in revenue to one point four four billion a year in revenue. Wow. Um, but I I saw executives and I led at that time where things where it was like the wake of devastation of families behind us and individuals was I mean I I, I mean it saddens me today if I really think about it too much and I lead things very differently now and you know much more recently you know I, I've uh, uh, you know say an associate more than a close friend but um, a woman who was running an eight figure a year business uh, and she just dialed back her business so now it's a um, you know, closing out, you know, kind of the books for this last year. So it's a high seven figure uh, business. She's earning more. She said now, after she intentionally said, wow, I've, I've got a bunch of kids. I want to see them grow up. I'm not, I feel like I pulled away. So she dialed back her business, but yet her personal profit margin and the business profit margin went way up. She's like, this is incredible. Like anybody that would have told me that this was possible, I would have said no because I, what I needed to do was go from you know twenty million to twenty five to fifty million. She goes, what I needed to do was see what I didn't like doing and instead scale back my business. And so now she may continue growing the business, but it's a very different beast that she's growing right now and still making really good revenue. Well, you know, I'll, I'll leave you with one word that like that I really, especially with recently, I've been doing so much of it. The one word is outsource. <laughs> Oh yeah. <laughs> right. So if you're like, Oh, you know, I, I don't really want to do it. I don't, I don't want to do the learning curve, you know, outsource it, go, 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 go find a company that does uh, social media really, really well and yeah. tell them what you're thinking and, and start off small and just do it at, have them doing it, you know, with your input, of course. And then you'll, you never know, look at, look at my podcast, you know, four years later, it's, it's been great. You know, it's doing really well. That's a great uh, point. Every, every hire I've made for the last 10 years, I tell them that I need them to look out for two things. One, what is something that you see me doing that you could take off of my plate? And I need you to challenge me in a healthy way to let me try to give it to you. Like not because you just want authority, but because you could help and you see that I can spend more time somewhere else. And if you can't do it, but you think I shouldn't be, I need you to tell me that I need to go find somebody, whether it's internal or external to your point and hand that off to. And I mean, seriously, the, by giving permission to people to do that, um, it's, it's, it is healthy conflict at time. People that work for you and work with you in your business will see things that are blind to you. Um, you just need to give them permission because so many people, they've been in toxic environments. They don't feel safe. And when you get, when you really challenge them and I'll put it on people's counter. I need. I just grab fifteen minutes with people that are three levels below me in the organization and go. What do you? What have you heard that I'm doing? What do you see that I'm doing that you don't think I should be? And and you're open to that feedback. You don't push back on them. Your business and your life will change. Yeah. Was there a second thing you said? Was that the? Was that the first thing? That's. Uh, I'll say it's it's it's, it's both. both. What can you t- what can you take off my plate? And then if it's not something you can take off that you think I should get off of my plate, what is that? Because um, that's very freeing as well from people. Yeah. And the other thing I would just say to our, our listeners too, it's like, again, it's easy to get caught up in the shiny object. And I'm the one thing I'm really uh, 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 like, just like you, Kurt, I'm a marketing guy. 
right? And uh, the one thing that I really am driven by uh, is measurements. And if you can't measure it, you can't manage it. Manage it. And you know, with all these shiny objects out there, we're talking about YouTube and TikTok and Instagram and blah 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 blah. You got to be able to measure. And if you're not, if you're not closing deals, you know, after a period of time, then you could have the best TikTok channel in the world, and you're wasting your time. Right. And so you yep. got to be able to find how, you know, where did we acquire clients from this? How much money we're making at, from them? What did it cost us to acquire? How, what's the long-term value of that client? Uh, because it's great to do all this fun stuff, but if it doesn't turn into business for you, well, you know what? Um, then it wasn't worth it. I completely agree. I, I, I would add to that when you're getting started in something, you you may need to keep a track on the uh, keep a dashboard going, yeah. but your real the real thing you should be looking at when you're getting started with some, uh, with with a new marketing channel or something is you should have decided upfront how long I, if I'm going to start my podcast if I'm going to start doing reels on YouTube if I'm going to start doing newsletter email newsletters how long am I going to do this before I need to look to see what the results are um, I have a product team who uh, was doing product office hours with uh, with customers. They just messaged me today that said, hey, we think we're going to stop doing product office hours. It doesn't seem to be working. Here's why. Six months ago, I think it was, it might have been five, but they had decided we're going to start this. And we had a discussion that said, no matter whether people show up or not, like how long are you committed to doing this to decide whether or not it's working? And so your podcast, you wouldn't be where you're at right now if you had really, you know, locked down on the numbers in your first five episodes. But you decided, hey, I'm going to do this for a year. And, and now you're, you know, and I'm sure you saw numbers there that you wouldn't, you know, that were, are small compared to where you're at now. Yeah. But then you get to go back and look at it. So what you're tracking up front may be very different than when you look to decide, do I want to keep doing this? It, it's so true. It's so true. I mean, and, uh, you know, there's two things I would say is I'm not giving advice in here. Number one is I really enjoy doing them. And number two is um, it was pretty, it's pretty inexpensive. So yeah. it was, it was a no brainer, you know? Yeah. So well, you, um, mentioned, you mentioned kind of, you know, the shiny object as well. We both talked about it for me. And I don't know if you're this way, but I have to have a repository, a trusted system to get things out of my head. Yep. Otherwise they'll stay in my head. Yep. And so my wife and I, uh, we kind of laugh, like my companies run on Trello. Some people use Asana or some other tool. My household runs on Trello to the point that like, if my wife and I are thinking about, we want to do something, we add it to a Trello card. One of us will often, because yep. it needs to come out of my head so that I yep. can say, I'm going to come back and relook at this. And so my to-do list in Trello, whether it's for work an individual, uh, you know, customer success or marketing or sales team, or my personal thing, they will never be empty. The point of the list is to get it out of my head. I trust the system that I will bring it up at certain times to prioritize what do I want to do? What do I want to start doing? What do I want to stop? And without that system, especially for so many business owners, it is, hey, you heard TikTok's really big. Okay, is that the best use of your time? Maybe or maybe not. Put it in a system so that you'll come back and revisit it and prioritize it as you know it should be with the wise decisions that you can make rather than just jump into it. Yep. Well, it's all good stuff. I, it's all the time we have today. It was a great discussion. I'd like to thank so very much, Kurt Uller, for coming on to today's uh, podcast. If you like today's podcast, please feel free to share it with a friend. And also subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. And of course, if you're looking for a line of credit for your business, you can call us at 862-207-4118. 
or visit our website at fscreditline.com. Again, that's FS uh, Financing Solutions, creditline.com. Kurt, if anyone gets in touch with you, how would they go about doing that? Visiting my website is going to be the best place. So um, Kurt, K-U-R-T-U-H-L-I-R.com. And then that'll give you links to anything, depending on what you're looking for. I have lots of uh, leadership and business owner kind of content coming out, but some people just want to know, gosh, well, I want to see more of the personal side of what that looks like. There, then you're gonna, it's going to drive you to Instagram because you're going to get that. Very different than the content that, that would be in, say, LinkedIn. All good stuff. Kurt, thanks very much. Thank you so much. And for all our listeners out there, the, the word of advice that I would give everybody based on today is um, people really, really understand and underestimate how important lead generation is to your company. I mean, we we're talking a lot about today. You know, if you are, there's no two buts. If you want to grow your company and you don't have a good lead generation channel and you haven't really figured that out, well, that's your number one problem. And if people aren't, if you're using these lead generation channels and they're not buying from you, well, you know, it's, it, I don't know if you have much of a business anymore. So you really got to get this marketing thing really down pat. Um, you know, then comes the other side of it too. Is, is your product good? Is your service good? But today's good insight as to a variety of different channels that you could consider. Everybody have a great day. Summer's coming around the corner. It's going to be a lot better, I think, than it was the last two years, although I've said that before. <laughs> and But everybody really kind of get out there, kind of get out there, try to get outside, uh, take care of yourself. And hopefully today gave you some good ideas going forward. 